0: The media landscape in America is busted. Americans are on to the omissions, the half truths, and the outright lies being propagated against we, the people. Your host, Tom Harris, will bring you the other side of the story.
1: we live in a world that has by and large forgotten its roots. In recent history, our society has been shaped by Christianity and Judaism, but looking even further back, it's philosophies of the ancient world that originally built our civilizations. To discuss this further, I'm joined by my daughter, Mary Jean Harris. Welcome to the program, Mary Jean.
2: Thank you, and you're right. The philosophers of ancient Greece and Rome were especially insightful and helped advance our understanding in many areas of philosophy such as the nature of the world, our minds and knowledge, and how to govern a state properly. Hmm. Apart from very specific university courses, though, we rarely study the wisdom from these great thinkers.
1: Yeah, that's especially important nowadays, how to govern a state properly. It sounds like we've got totally forgotten all that. Um, because of the lack of philosophy, religion, or some other higher purpose and meaning to our lives, this can create devastating consequences for our society, don't you think?
2: Yes, I agree. What's replacing greater meaning is woke ideology and a cult-like following that encourages people to be activists for causes that are only harming ourselves and others.
1: Yeah, you're right. And that's why today we're going to look at a few of the ancient philosophers whose wisdom can be applied to our lives today. We'll also examine how their insights have a striking application in dealing with the woke cancel culture, (laughs) ick, and identity politics, equally ick, of today's present world. yeah. What are we going to talk about then?
2: Yes, well, the first thing I'd like to bring up is something from Stoicism. Now, Stoicism is an ancient Greek philosophy, and uh, one of the main philosophers is Epictetus from the first century AD. Mm, And uh, one of his principles that uh, he talked about was the dichotomy of control. So for that, I like to start with the quote. And then we can uh, talk about that. So his quote is, I possess that power free from all hindrance and constraint. No one can obstruct me. No one can force me to deal with impressions other than I wish. Who still holds power over me then? Philip, Alexander, Perdiccas, or the king of Persia? How could they? For someone who is destined to be overpowered by another human being must first have been overpowered well before by things. So, accordingly, that person who doesn't allow himself to be overpowered by pleasure, or by suffering, or by glory, or by wealth, and who is capable, whenever he thinks fit, of spitting his entire miserable body into some tyrant's face and taking his leave. To what can such a man still be a slave?
1: Can you kind of decipher that? Because it's a little hard for a lot of people, looking at ancient language, to understand exactly what he meant.
2: Yes. Well, he talks about a few different things here. So the dichotomy of control is really just saying what is in our power and what is not within our power. Mm -hmm. So what's within our power is basically everything that's in our minds. So our opinions, our aims, our desires, and what we want to avoid. And these are things that we can control. So of course, there's lots of external influences that help shape what we think, but ultimately we are the ones who decide what is our, our opinions? What are our desires? And mm,
1: what are we sounds, avoid? It sounds straightforward, but it's not always easy to do.
2: <laughs> yes, it is. It can be challenging, but in principle, those are the things that we can control.
3: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
2: But what's not in our power are other people's opinions, our body, the external world, and basically anything external to our minds.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And so what the dichotomy of control is really trying to emphasize is that we shouldn't get caught up on things that we can't control. So all those things that are not in our power, we shouldn't get caught up on them. We need to accept reality basically and Mm -hmm. move forward and focus on what we can control.
1: Mm -hmm, Yeah. Well, do what we can. I mean, I think that's the bottom line is so -hmm. much of what people think they they can do, perhaps they can't do. They better just learn to accept it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So uh, even though this might sound sort of pacifistic, like you can only control what's in your mind and don't, don't try to change the world around you, is really trying to show you that changing in the world around you comes from the inside. So you mm-hmm. change yourself first, changing your mindset, changing your goals, changing your opinions, and then that can help lead to positive changes in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that many of the activists – who are championing different causes, in many cases, woke causes are in many cases, not very centered themselves. Like they haven't looked after their house, so to speak, before they've gone out to try and change the world.
2: Yeah, they seem to want to bend reality to suit their own desires and Mm -hmm. their own goals. So we see things like they're rejecting just basic science and Mm -hmm. saying that all people's opinions or um, identities matter more than yeah, the what, facts yeah what
1: was the book that we were reading called it's something about stoic joy
2: yeah the um
1: the art of stoic joy or the art like
2: of stoic joy yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly now that was an amazing book because it helped teach me that in fact stoicism is not like Mr. Spock out of Star Trek you know so often people think of stoics as people who have no emotions but I understand that in fact real stoicism is trying to diminish or preferentially get rid of, but certainly diminish negative emotions and to actually have joy.
2: Yeah, for sure. I just looked it up. It's called A Guide to the Good Life, The Ancient Art of Stoic Joy. And it's by William B. Irvine. And it's it's an excellent book. I definitely recommend it as well.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: In fact, I listened to the whole book on Audible. So I'll send people I'll actually put under the podcast, not only a link to the book, but also a link to the podcast so you can listen to it while you're out walking, because it's, it's really quite amazing. You know, there's one thing it, it said you should purposely expose yourself to extreme cold sometimes, knowing that you can run inside and get warm just so that if, in fact, you know, you're ever in trouble, you know, you can cope with it. And stoicism, to a certain extent, it actually teaches you to purposely put yourself in uncomfortable circumstances. Is that right? Right.
2: Yes, like there's definitely a lot of things in Stoicism about strengthening your mind, your body, and basically living so that you don't get so upset about all the things that happen around you. I find Mm -hmm. that a lot of people, people nowadays, they're trying to, um, they're trying to make everything fit their own point of view. And they basically are just trying to get it, get things easily. Like they Mm -hmm. expect the government will just give them things they expect, oh, if they just let's say like in students at school oh if they just don't do their homework well that's fine the teacher will just accept it um they'll always
1: pass their courses yeah pass them anyway
2: (laughs) yeah yeah they feel like things are going to just be handed to them on a platter but one thing especially in stoicism is that you like you actually have to um make changes for yourself and work hard to achieve things
1: Mm-hmm. Well, can you say a little bit about changing our mindset and things like that? Can you say some more about that? Because I think that's key to not only practicing stoicism, but also to having a happy life.
2: Yeah, for sure. So the mindset of focusing on what you can control versus what you can't control is really important mm-hmm. in stoicism. So for mm-hmm. instance, the weather, you're not going to get upset about the weather. I mean, most people don't nowadays, but I mean, some people do, um, because that's obviously something that's totally beyond your control even if the global warming activists uh, might say otherwise.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And also things about other people. So other people's opinions of you, that's not your concern. Uh, You should do your best to be the best person you can be, but Mm -hmm. what other people think of you, that's, that's not within your control. So changing your mindset is really about releasing that and saying, okay, There are all these things that are happening, but they're outside of my control. And so you're not going to worry yourself about that and instead, Mm -hmm. focus on what you can control. And another uh, famous philosopher in Stoicism was Marcus Aurelius. He was a second century Roman philosopher and also the emperor of Rome. And uh, he also had an amazing book, Marcus Aurelius' Meditations. He actually wrote that just to be sort of his own thoughts, sort of like a diary almost. Uh, But he has really amazing quotes in there about his thoughts on stoicism. He talks about external things. So these external things fall into the category as things that we cannot control. So he says, do external things distract you? Then make time for yourself to learn something worthwhile. Stop letting yourself be pulled in all directions. But make sure you guard against this other kind of confusion. People who labor all their lives, but have no purpose to direct every thought and impulse toward are wasting their time, even when hard at work. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this really can resonate with some people because we do a lot of busy work or we do a lot of things that we're really busy in nowadays, but are they really worthwhile?
1: That's the question Mm -hmm. we
2: have to ask ourselves.
1: Like checking 300 emails.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Yeah. It's not really what you want to put your time towards.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he says, stop letting yourself be pulled in all directions.
1: Mm-hmm. And, well, it's pretty uh, imp- impressive that he'd be an emperor, but also a philosopher, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I can remember reading that part of the book where they were talking about Aurelius and he specifically didn't care so much. You know, he wasn't wasting his time trying to get approval from everybody. Can you continue on? I mean, what, what for example, is another dichotomy of control issue?
2: Uh, yes, well looking at what aurelius just said he's saying do, do, do external things distract you so external things could be anything from other people to the weather to uh fluctuations in people's um well he says then make time for yourself to learn something worthwhile mm. so that means instead of focusing on the things that we can't control we focus on learn doing something worthwhile and that mm. could be like maybe improving yourself, maybe learning something new, or maybe it could be learning how to do a certain skill, maybe something like meditating, meditating, although I don't do it. I heard it does have a lot of great benefits for focusing your mind and getting all the clutter outside your mind that most people have constantly, constantly thinking, constantly having thoughts and emotions going through their head.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I used to
1: meditate a lot. And it was interesting because I found that in a 20-minute meditation, because I did transcendental meditation, I found that it was like I had two hours of sleep. I mean, it was yeah. it was pretty amazing. In searching for meaning, I mean, we're really living in a culture of
2: distraction,
1: aren't we? I mean, constant our connections are they very, very deep in social media, and things like that.
2: Yeah, I think social media is really harming people's interactions with each other and giving us a really skewed image of reality. So we see all these picture perfect things on social media, but we don't see anything behind the scenes. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. some specific tailored behind the scenes, but you don't see really what people are like. And so you get a really skewed image of reality and we're always searching for the next thing. We're always searching for more likes. And uh, I think that's really, really harming us. We're not we're not really putting ourselves, uh, devoting ourselves to things that are meaningful. Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: Now, the
1: next one is uh, Epictetus. I mean, can you say, he has another quote. It'd be interesting if you can talk about that and tell us about, you know, approximately when was Epictetus up and about?
2: Yeah, so Epictetus was from the first century AD. He's the philosopher that we quoted at the beginning. Uh, One thing he said is, and what is our nature? To be people who are free, noble-minded, and self-respecting. Mm -hmm. This talks about what Stoics and Epictetus in particular think is the purpose, our purpose. So to be free, so free from all these external things that could bother us, noble-minded, so having good virtues, and self-respecting, and uh, actually devoting ourselves to things that are worthwhile.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah.
2: And Marcus Aurelius kind of continues... With this, and he says, in a sense, people are our proper occupation. Our job is to do them good and put up with them. So he talks a lot about putting up with people and all the um annoying people who he had to deal with in his role as a Roman emperor. But it's our job to basically put up with them. And of course, not everyone is going to be, you know, a terrible person. but mm-hmm. there's a lot of terrible things or at least annoying things that we have to deal with on a day to day basis. And we shouldn't let that bother us because that's not what they do isn't in our control.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking that when I go to these meetings and people yell at me and call me a climate change denier, I guess what it's really doing, is not reflecting on me, it's reflecting on them. You know, it makes them look bad, not me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Once we kind of get that mindset of, okay, they can say what they want and it doesn't affect me and not getting Mm -hmm. angry or upset about it. Uh, that it's really, it's really freeing because you can, you know, you don't have, you don't get so caught up in negative emotions all the time. And you can put your mind and energy towards better things.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what else does Aurelius say?
2: Well, kind of going off on uh, the previous one about people being our proper occupation. He also says, remind yourself that your task is to be a good human being. Remind yourself what nature demands of people. Then do it without hesitation and speak the truth as you see it but with kindness, with humility, without hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. So I think this one's really powerful, especially because he's saying, remind yourself what nature demands of people and doing it without hesitation. So finding your purpose and then doing it. So I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people nowadays, they don't really have a a purpose per se to their life. They're looking for enjoyment. They're looking to to satisfy certain desires but they don't really have a sense of the underlying purpose. And so that's what we were mentioning at the beginning, where philosophy is often just left to sort of university courses. And even then you don't talk much about the meaning of life and people's purpose. But I think having a real purpose is uh, super important. Of course, people mostly got that from religion in the past, but because many people today aren't actually religious, Uh, That part of our life is missing. And I think even if you don't want to be religious, philosophy can really fill that in. And Mm -hmm. Stoicism, I think personally, is one of the greatest philosophies and can really help people improve in their lives and live a fulfilling life.
1: Yeah. And again, it's not the emotionless Mr. Spock that we're talking about. We're Mm -hmm. talking about people who live life joyfully Mm -hmm. and are able, though, to minimize you know, negative emotion, negative feelings, things like that. And, you know, it's interesting. They say sometimes, even though you have a car, take the bus, you know, do the things that you would have to do if your current life changed. And, you know, if you were if you were poor and you had to do certain things, well, try them now, you know, actually get, get yourself used to it. So it wouldn't be a disaster if it actually happened because you're able to, you know, carry out your life and live anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Something else uh, Marcus Aurelius just says, is humans were made to help others and when we do help others or help them do something we're doing what we're designed for we perform our function mm-hmm. so I, yeah I this is altru- uh, altruism and not just focusing on ourselves so mm-hmm. another thing I, I mean i know we're kind of contrasting this with thing with people today but it's not like people in the past weren't selfish and greedy as well um People were selfish and greedy back in these times. And that's why he's talking about it a lot. But today as well, Mm -hmm. people are often very focused on themselves and just satisfying their own desires. But we really should be thinking about others and how we can benefit the world.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting because... When my mother was alive, she died in 2014. She was in a nursing home, and she was doing very, very badly physically. She had Parkinson's disease really severely. And there'd be some days where I wasn't feeling well, but I would go anyway and bring my guitar and play for the the home, including my mom, and she'd play harmonica. And I'd come back, and it was was really interesting because I'd get there, and, you know, some of these nursing homes are like, you know, they're like hell. I mean, they're really bad. And you'd hear people crying and moaning. But when I left, I don't know if they even noticed that I left because I could hear them singing and keep singing. I'd go up the stairs in the elevator because it was the basement and I'd go home feeling great, even though when I went there, I wasn't feeling good. And I think the external focus of helping other people and seeing, you know, you're leaving and they're happy now. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, that, that was a very, very rewarding experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think that although a lot of people who are following the woke ideology, Really, they always claim to be fighting for social justice and helping others. But the thing is that if you actually look at what they're doing, they're, they're not really doing it for other people. They're kind of just doing it for themselves and virtue signaling. And so that they, that they feel like they're part of some sort of group. So it seems like it's, they're doing it for themselves rather than others. And that's not how we want to live our lives.
1: Yeah. And yet it's funny because when I look at Mother Teresa, I mean, she did amazing work in India. But mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, tell me if I'm wrong here. She obviously got great personal satisfaction out of that. So in a way, she was doing it for herself at the same time as doing it for other people. So yeah. by, you know, because of the fact you're helping others, that doesn't mean that you're not also helping yourself.
2: Yeah, for sure. I guess it just matters like, well, we should think about what the primary purpose is. And mm-hmm. if it also helps yourself, great. But that shouldn't be the primary purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. When I listen to our politicians, it's very difficult to believe that they have any sort of foundational beliefs in anything. You know, the way they flip flop and they change their stories and they lie and they attack the opposition continuously, you get mm-hmm. kind of tired of it, don't you?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're just—they don't really have an underlying underlying principles that they're following. I don't think. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, sometimes I've met with conservatives who are supporting the climate scare. And they may be people in power, actually. And uh, they say, oh, well, you don't know, have to support the climate scare if I want to become prime minister or whatever. And I feel like strangling these people. I think you. this is not this is not monopoly. This is not a play game. OK, 700 people died in Texas, largely because the Texan government had to you know, they're trying to please the woke environmentalists more than they were concerned about their own people. Mm. And of course, they were looking for profits and various subsidies and things like that. So, I mean. You know, a lot of those politicians, they play the political game as if it's just a game, but it's like real lives depend on it. And that's why I I felt like strangling one of the politicians when I met with them. I felt like saying, you know, Dan, you know, this is real world stuff. You can get up and talk about wind power being the solution, but when people are freezing to death at minus 30, because the power's gone out because there's no wind, and of course the batteries can only back it up for a few seconds. You know, you will kill people with this. This is no joke. I mean, this is real life, and uh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> that's, it's a real issue. Anyway, I can go off on that, but you know, no,
2: it, it definitely, it definitely is a huge issue. And right now, when we're without power, fortunately, it's not too cold. But had it this happened a few months ago, we would be, you know, in a pretty yeah. devastating situation.
1: Well, we'd be huddled up, all of us, right against the. We got a kerosene heater that we have running right now, but um, thanks to you, we also have a big battery here—a big lithium battery—and that's what we're using right now for internet. And people are hearing this courtesy of your battery. So tell us about the four virtues of Stoicism.
2: Yeah, for sure. So this is stuff that Epictetus and various other Stoics talked about. So the four main virtues are wisdom, temperance, justice, and courage.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: wisdom, of course, is learning knowledge and wisdom about how we should act, how the world works, and also just understanding oneself. Mm -hmm. Temperance is kind of self-explanatory, so not indulging in pleasures and basically just following desires that don't really have any meaning to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Justice is about acting in accordance to what is right and true and making sure that we actually follow certain principles yeah
1: I'm actually sure. have a have a have a foundation yes. of, of honesty you know and, and, and I mean,
2: th- yes, there was not oh, really tied to wisdom as well. So wisdom and justice are kind of tied together. And just before you go on the last one's courage, right. uh, so being brave. And like you were mentioning before, even putting yourself in situations that might be uncomfortable, like having cold showers, um, to strengthen yourself. So.
1: Yeah. But also go to a school board meeting and go to the microphone and say, no, I don't want biological boys in the girls' washroom, you know, and people may boo you and yell at you and everything else, but so what? I mean, these are important issues standing up for the, you know, for reality and the climate issue. No, you can't run the city on 710 wind turbines taller than the Statue of Liberty. I mean, that is stupid, which is, of course, what Ottawa says they're going to do. So I will admit, Mary Jean, that when I go to town hall meetings and speak to committees and the council and stuff, yeah, I find it pretty stressful. But mm-hmm. I do it anyway. I do it anyway because it's just you have to do it because otherwise your society goes down the drain.
2: Yeah, it's what's right. And kind of keeping these things in mind, like, what are we, what are we acting for? Like, and how can we um, improve ourselves? These four virtues, wisdom, temperance, justice, and courage, they're really basic foundational virtues. And of course, there's other virtues that we should always adhere to as well. But these are kind of the basic foundational ones. And I think it's really important to keep those in mind when we're, when we're acting and trying to live, live our lives, basically. And like we were saying before about politics, there's so much virtue signaling and people aren't really doing things with wisdom and justice and temperance and courage. They're doing things so that they kind of get a better result in the short term.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons that I like Donald Trump, even though he certainly had his flaws and has his flaws is that he had courage and he would stand up for what he believed was right. And in many cases he was right. You know, like he made America energy independent. They're now very, very non-independent, you know? And so, I mean, I think that he's to be really admired. You know, I'll just say as an aside, one of the reasons that I liked him was because he wasn't part of the inside team. You know, he wasn't a Kennedy or a Bush or a Clinton. He was actually somebody from the outside. You know, it reminds me, Mary Jean, cod liver oil. (laughs) they used to say that cod liver oil was really good for you. And I don't know if it is, but they would say, yeah, it tastes terrible, but eat it because it's good for you. I think Trump was very much like that. A lot of people didn't like the way it tasted when they heard him talk, but he was good for America for many, many reasons. And sometimes you just have to, you know, put up with a person's idiosyncrasies if they're doing good for the country.
2: Yeah, for sure. And that's also about wisdom. So looking at saying, Okay, maybe uh, you don't like him as a person, but you can see, okay, he's doing what's wisest, and following that would be Mm -hmm. most beneficial to the country.
1: I wanna talk about this when we get back. The whole idea of biological sex, saying a man can be a woman and white people are inherently racist, and you know this sort of stuff is ludicrous, but I'd like to talk about that a little more after the break, okay? Yeah, for sure okay so we'll be right back with mary g harris tom harris
0: on the other one's company shares your values and fights for medical freedom they put patients before profits and follow medical science not political science like doctors on the left their chief medical board which includes dr peter mccullough are the makers of the incredible american-made high quality spike formula if you worry about spike proteins go to twc.health and use promo code out loud for an exclusive discount once again that's twc.health Promo code out loud. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? Co-fix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Co-fix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a CofixRx nasal solution cleanse. That's C O F I X R X.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM Sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM Sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to healthycell.com and use code Out Loud for twenty five percent off your first order, risk free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose?
2: I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion available in stores and online at clear.com that is x l e a r.com
0: you already know genesis plus hocl is your best defense against viruses but did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too customers are raving about the genesis fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them and we all know mold is a hazard to your health there's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code Outloud. With Genesis, you're ready for anything.
1: For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America Climate Plan. A plan based on real science that responds to the real-world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative
0: thinking. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
1: So I'm back with my guest and co-host, actually, Mary Jean Harris, my daughter. And by the way, I should tell our listening audience that if you like these programs, I'm hoping you can go to icsc-climate.com and donate to allow us to continue to run these shows. Because, of course, they take money to run, that's for sure. You know, Mary Jean, one of the things I find is that People seem to think that a man can be a woman and they're, they're, there's no such thing as biological sex and white people are inherently racist. I mean, a lot of this stuff, I would think my grandfather would just say, oh, nonsense. What do you think about all this?
2: It's definitely nonsense, but it's, it's a very kind of strange kind of nonsense because these things are so obvious. Like, obviously, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm a woman, that you're a woman. Or all of a sudden, like, oh, all white people are inherently racist. It's so obviously wrong, but it's become part of a cult. And this is the, their dogma. Mm-hmm. And so instead of thinking about it for yourself, with wisdom, <laughs> and the other stoic virtues, they're just following it. And it's, even if it's obviously incorrect.
1: Yeah, I was hearing also them saying that if you're colorblind, If you don't actually see a person's race, you actually treat everybody equally. Well, according to that book, uh, Critical Theories or Cynical Theories is actually the proper name. I'll actually put it up on the web also. If you say that you're colorblind, you're racist. Hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's absurd. I mean, it's the opposite of racism. I guess that would mean Martin Luther King was racist because he said, remember, he said, I I want a day when my children are judged by the.'" content of their character not the color of their skin so i mean i think a skin color is completely irrelevant (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and if you don't focus on that then somehow that makes you racist like these are like the opposite of what the truth is by returning to some of these ancient philosophies that focused a lot on the truth because there is truth and there is an actual reality out there whereas People nowadays, they a lot of people nowadays think that truth is subjective and that there isn't any uh, fixed external reality almost.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you
2: might not say it like that, but that's basically what they're acting like.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And they also have this culture of sensitivity where they're offended by virtually everything. I mean, they need to have safe spaces. And, you know, it's interesting. One of the fathers at a recent school board meeting locally got up and he was talking about his discomfort, and his daughter's discomfort with the boys, biological boys, who are declaring themselves as girls, their access to the girls' locker room and washroom. And at the counsellor who was chairing the meeting, she immediately interrupted and turned off his mic. She said, oh, you know, what you're saying is dangerous. It's creating a threatening environment to our trans population. And, I mean, what? What's going on here?
2: <laughs> yeah, they, they want to eliminate all form of uh, disagreement because mm-hmm. it's, somehow it's going to offend others and it's going to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I would often hear about like dangerous misinformation as if people can't think for themselves and determine, okay, well, maybe this is correct. Maybe this isn't correct, but I'll look more into it. So they're not trusting people's own intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big problem. So we're told what to think. We're told not to look into it as well. And that's a big problem because people aren't thinking for themselves about these things. And it's really important to try to, think for yourself and figure it out. That's the way that you can cultivate wisdom. Well, that's
1: right. And also, if you can't hear any alternative point of view, how can you ever change your mind? And, you know, people can be wrong. I mean, I used to support the climate alarm, okay? Until I met Professor Tim Patterson from Carleton University, I thought that the climate alarm was real and that we we're headed to catastrophe, et cetera, et cetera. And, I mean, he and other geologists especially showed me that it was completely wrong. And so, I mean if you're not open to alternative points of view, you can be stuck on wrong ideas forever.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think that, that that in itself is important. And also, I mean, our ancestors, I have a picture of my grandfather, our your great grandfather, looking down at me right now, uh, just over my desk. And I mean, if you read his book, and I'll, I'll put a link to it on the you know under the podcast it shows what previous generations went through to defend our right to have free speech so the fact that most of us tend to resign ourselves to the lack of free speech you know using the right pronoun etc cetera, etc cetera, i mean it's it's wrong and and you know we have our own wars to fight we're not actually fighting a physical war thank goodness but we have our own wars to fight and if people don't stand up for the society that my grandfather your great-grandfather our fa- my father if, if people don't stand up for it you know they're gonna <laughs> really be mad at us if, if they ever meet us in the afterlife
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for sure it's important to have, have courage and also to realize that a lot of these uh, things to do with uh, safe spaces safe spaces and dangerous misinformation and all that that's going against the whole dichotomy of control One Mm -hmm. quote by Marcus Aurelius is that, if you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it. And this, you have the power to revoke at any moment. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be offended by everything. It's all about our perception of it. Of course, you know, some people can say things that are wrong, and they can say things that are rude to us, but that doesn't mean that we have to get upset by it.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, yeah, and let's go on to Eastern philosophies, like What's the Dhammapada? I know that's supposed to be important. I'm not quite sure what it is though.
2: Yeah, so the Dhammapada is an ancient Buddhist text, and mm. I, when I was picking some topics for this interview, it's so hard to pick, so hard to pick just a few because there's so many great ancient texts. But I want to have one for Buddhism because Buddhism and Stoicism they actually have a lot of similarities. The Dhammapada, it talks about our state of mind as well. So this is tying into what we were just talking about, actually, with Marcus Aurelius. So this is the quote that I took from the Dhammapada. It's this, your worst enemy cannot harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. But once mastered, no one can help you as much, not even your own father or your mother. You are the source of all purity and impurity. No one purifies another. Mm -hmm. They're talking about purifying. They're talking about really strengthening your mind and Mm -hmm. uh, having a proper outlook on life.
1: Now, this is Buddha and that, I guess that originated in China. Is that right?
2: Well, there's Chinese Buddhism, but mostly India.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And this was independent of Stoicism, which came out of Greece and and Rome. Of course, there was Roman Stoicism too, which tended to be more applied, if I understand rightly. And uh, Greek Stoicism was the original, but it was pretty theoretical, whereas the Romans tried to actually apply it. And I think you're seeing that certainly in Aurelius, who was actually a Roman emperor. It was interesting because I I was reading a book, he was talking about all these annoying people he had to put up with every day. People are constantly pleading for things from him. You know, it didn't sound like I mean, he was the emperor, but in many ways, he didn't have much control over what was going on around him.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. He really had to make make the best of what he had. And yeah. And- so what, what? So is
1: it the Buddha? Is that a person or that originated Buddhism? I guess so. Eh?
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Dhammapada, I don't like this was written by Buddhists. Uh, I don't think it was the Buddha who definitely Mm -hmm. necessarily wrote this. Um, But yes, it's a very important text. And similar to Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus, a lot of the quotes in there, they're quite short and just very to the point. And they're really great because then you can really see how you can apply it to your life. So this particular quote that we just saw is about strengthening our minds and ourselves and to not just accept if we're flawed, but to try to improve. And so this ties into something that we see in our culture nowadays, this positivity movement. So people can be uh, fat positive or like all, all these other random things and uh, just accepting flaws rather than trying to improve upon it. Because mm-hmm. I mean, of course, if someone's a little overweight, it's fine, but if someone's obese, that's really not okay. <laughs> it's bad mm-hmm. for their health. And uh, by just saying, oh, okay, we're, we're just going to accept that or I'm just going to accept I'm obese rather than trying to improve. Um, that's really uh, weakening yourself.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because in that book, Cynical Theory by Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay, and I'll put that on under the uh, podcast is a super book. I listened to it on Audible. Helen Pluckrose actually reads the book, which is very nice because you know she knows what she's talking about. She says that the trouble with the fat acceptance is that physicians mm-hmm. now, are reluctant to even tell people that they're obese. And, yeah. yet, and yet, you know, it's interesting. I w- we had a fellow on our America Out Loud radio show about a year ago, I guess, and he was talking about obesity. He was actually a, a specialist in the field. And he said, it's, now it's pretty well the, the highest, most significant avoidable cause of death, preventable mm-hmm. cause of death for the United States. And, and I was astounded to see that over a third of American males are obese. Like that that's incredible, wow. a third. And, and you know, the only, there's only a few countries in the world that are that high. One of them is Saudi Arabia, but also you'll laugh, one of the islands in the Pacific has more than half of their men are obese. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I think it's, I'm not sure if it's the Solomon Islands or Fiji or what, but, but yeah, that, that's a huge problem. And, and doctors should be able to tell a person if they have a significant health hazard. No question mm-hmm. about it.
2: Sure. The thing about not accepting our flaws, this is really important because it shows that like we have the possibility to change our mindset and to improve and so just like Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus uh, Buddhists are saying that we should really strengthen our minds and uh, unplug from things like social media and toxic culture and they focus a lot on attaining liberation from the world in general mm-hmm. uh, so I think even if you're not you know going to be going off to a monastery and becoming a monk you can still unplug from a lot of this toxic culture that we're in that we see in the news and social media and that Mm -hmm. can really improve your state of mind
3: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah for sure and especially getting rid of the media you know because i mean how much in the press is not negative in some way or another i mean Mm -hmm. you know it reminds me of peter truman used to be a uh a commentator on global news in Canada and he broke his leg and he's in the hospital and he was just lying in the hospital bed and he thought he'd watch the news, but it was all negative. And he thought, geez, isn't there anything? So he wondered, is this negativity a function of our society or is it a function of humans in general? And it's interesting because he did a special uh, commentary about this later. He, he found there were cultures in society who purposely focused on good news, and a good example, I believe, was the Bedouins in the desert when they would you know they wouldn't they would be crossing incredibly barren terrain, very, very difficult. and when they would meet another group in the desert, assuming they were friendly, they would purposely tell each other only good things, you know, about a birth and a marriage and, you know, really happy things that now, of course, if there was a bandit on the other side of the hill, they'd warn them about that. But generally speaking, they felt that the positiveness was important to their own survival. And, mm. you know, Mary, there's a quote that I'll never forget. I can't remember her last name it was Ruth Ann, and she was from the University of Minnesota, a professor there. I believe she was a professor of education. And she said, a lack of a positive vision of alternative futures is in itself a threat to survival and so i think the whole concept not just for the individual but for society at large the Mm -hmm. whole negative the whole negative focus of our news is is bad news (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. yeah Yeah. i mean some although it's important to know about things that are bad that are happening uh, it's also good to know that what's positive in the world and that'll help inspire people to also do Mm -hmm. other positive things
1: Yeah. So the Buddhists follow some sort of a path. Can you talk a bit about that?
2: Yeah. So the Eightfold Path of Buddhism, this helps people master themselves and to strengthen their minds. So there's eight sort of principles that they follow. So the principles are right action, right understanding, right thought, right concentration, right speech, right mindfulness, right livelihood and right effort. So mm. all of these are internal things that we can control and to improve ourselves. So like stoicism, these are falling in the category of things that we can control and those will help mas- make ourselves better and also make the world a better place. So we're trying to help achieve happiness and virtue for ourselves and liberation from the world. But also this is helping the world to become a better place and see yourself as part of a whole. So you're not just focused on yourself and you're also self-centered but in achieving liberation you help others do the same thing
1: Mm -hmm. and the worst enemies to this goal the ultimate goal of having this kind of tranquility and also constructively contributing to the world i guess the worst enemies is your own thoughts right
2: yes i mean you're the one who could trip yourself up and prevent yourself from reaching these goals Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's why uh Stoicism and Buddhism are quite similar, actually. They focus a lot on strengthening your mind.
1: Who was it that said disturbance comes only from within?
2: Yeah, so that was from Marcus Aurelius as well. Oh, okay. So he, he also said, Four habits of thought to watch for and erase from your mind when you catch them. Tell yourself. First one is, This thought is unnecessary. Second, uh-huh. this one is destructive to the people around you. And third is, this wouldn't be what you really think. So this is really, this is really key. This is uh, really analyzing yourself and seeing, okay, are my thoughts actually aligned with the, with the virtues? And are they really going to bring about benefit to myself and the world?
1: Yeah. And I don't want to pretend this stuff is easy. That's for sure. The next person we have to talk about is Socrates because he did really hard things, didn't he?
2: Yeah, for sure. Some people think of him as the first philosopher, even. I mean, of course, there were philosophers before him, uh, but he is such a key figure in Western philosophy. One of the things that he says is know thyself, just like the Stoics and the Buddhists. uh, Knowing yourself is really important because that's the way that you can improve. So you can see what your real flaws are. You can see what your strengths are and you can try to become a better person. Mm -hmm. So Socrates was actually put to death by a trial and he was accused of corrupting the youth by questioning people and getting them to really analyze their own beliefs. Yeah, he, he did question things like the, the, the pantheon of the Greek gods at the time and, and various other things. And mm-hmm. of course, people didn't like that. But he was put to death. He was given hemlock poison. Uh, he was given a chance to escape, though, but he didn't take it. Because if he did, uh, he would have to renounce his views and he would have to um, basically say that, oh, he was wrong and that he shouldn't have done what he did. But he didn't want to do that. Uh, He's stuck with his principles and had courage to stand up for what was right, even though he knew it would kill him.
1: Yeah, uh, that's pretty amazing. So he had a pretty profound influence then because mm-hmm. his corrupting of the youth not only got them to sa- think for themselves, but saw that he was prepared to live his life and even die to, to actually stand up for what he believed in.
2: Yes, and one of the quotes that we have, this is written by Plato, so of course, this might not be exactly what Socrates says, but we'll, we'll assume it sounds something similar. Uh, Socrates says, I shall not cease to practice philosophy. To exhort you, and in my usual way, to point out to any one of you whom I happen to meet. So point out, uh, he's talking about like pointing out their flaws and helping them analyze themselves with philosophy. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we realize that this, when they say, oh, he was corrupting the youth, it wasn't actually corrupting them. This is often what we hear today when people say, oh, this is misinformation or related to politics or race or gender or vaccines or climate change. This is very similar to what happened with Socrates. They're, they're calling this all this, you know, a bad thing, but he's really just trying to get to the truth of the matter.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, the truth can change, so to speak, based on the kind of information that you get you know, mm-hmm. people's perception of the truth anyway. Uh, but yeah, I think when they say this misinformation, yeah, almost you have to turn it into a joke. It's not misinformation, it's Mr. Information. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say what I think is true. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that, that's a really good quote from, from Socrates. And, and I think you're right. It is important to question authority, but can you be humble at the same time?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, even if we're we're questioning authority, but we're not saying, oh, we we have all the answers. So we're trying to find the truth. And so we might not know the answers, but also those in authority might not know the answers. So Mm -hmm. we have to continue to question the science policies and so-called facts that are presented to us rather than just accepting, oh, they're right or wrong because they fit into certain dogma.
1: Russell Brand says that the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is about six months, <laughs> and and I always thought that was so realistic because I mean think of the Hunter Biden laptop story. You know, oh, it's conspiracy theory, blah blah blah. And you, oh yeah, it's actually true. <laughs> and of yeah. course, yeah. the same thing with the climate change thing being a hoax, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, I mean, throughout history, I mean, we've had mobs acting as our teacher. I mean, didn't one of the Greek philosophers talk about mobs a, a little bit and and how? That could be a real problem.
2: <laughs> yeah. So another Greek philosopher, another Greek Neoplatonist philosopher. Uh, so Neoplatonism is a kind of sort of like a kind of Platonism that has a different idea of uh, some, some different ideas to Plato, but I won't go into that. Um, he was commenting on one of Plato's works. And he said, what understanding or intelligent ha- intelligence have they? They put their trust in popular bards and take them off to their teacher, unaware that most people are bad and few are good. And that seems to be exactly commenting on uh many people on the left and uh, like i'm talking about like the far left today and they're putting their trust in popular bards, so maybe politicians or activists and take the mob for their teacher so if we think about certain uh riots that have happened maybe in the black lives matter movement or lgbt whatever riots this is like they're they're following this mob Mm -hmm. uh, And they don't really question, okay, are these people really fighting for something that's good? Uh, Do we actually want to fight for something like this?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Or are we
2: just following this ideology because that was told, uh, we were told to.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and if you follow the mob too far, you can end up in circumstances like in the 1600s in Germany, where they were burning old women as witches. I mean, literally. And they, they killed thousands of people. and I mean, it's really horrific. Sally Ballunas, she actually was a astrophysicist at Harvard, Union, I think it was. But I'll put a link to a video in which she talks about how they were blaming these old women who were unpopular in their towns, I guess. Mm. They were blaming them for a spat of bad weather. Mm. And they had really bad weather, no question. It was the depths of the Little Ice Age. And of course, it's cold weather that brings more extreme weather, not not hot weather, something, again, the climate activists have backwards. And in fact, if you see, if you look through history, you can see it was during cold periods where we had the worst storms and things like that. But yes, yeah, Sally Ballunas goes into this in great detail, showing how the mob mentality led to essentially a sanction, because it was sanctioned by the, the governments of the towns. They actually sanctioned burning at the stake of these people to stop extreme weather. In fact, they said that they were weather cooking that was the term they used. They're working with Satan to weather cook. And this was why their crops were failing. And so they they murdered these people with the official sanction of their local government.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's terrible. This is sim- really similar to the things that have been happening now that are just so bizarre and kind of obviously wrong. Like saying, oh, you know, you can just be whatever gender or sex you want. And you know, people just aren't allowed to question it anymore. Mm -hmm. In in just a
1: few minutes, we have three minutes left. Can you tell us a little bit more about Epictetus? Because I think he's an important ingredient, isn't he, to understanding Stoicism.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we we already looked at quite a few quotes from Epictetus. Take a look at another quote from him. So he says, a man's master is he who is able to confer or remove whatever that man seeks or shuns. Whoever then would be free, let him wish nothing, let him des- decline nothing, which depends on others, else he must necessarily be a slave.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think this is a very powerful quote. He's talking about that we shouldn't depend on what other people say about us or give us. We should always uh, do what's right and moral, even if the world condemns you, condemns you for it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, Marcus Aurelius also said something. He says, the tranquility that comes when you stop caring what they say or think or do only what you do.
1: Mm-hmm. So can other people hurt me? <laughs> I mean, when it comes to psychological hurt.
2: No. So we're the only ones who can give ourselves true pain um, by uh, by basically hurting ourselves by taking things too seriously. And, Uh, Not realizing, okay, well, what they say is out of our control. Even if you know they harm us physically, that's a terrible thing that happens. But we decide how we deal with it. We decide if Mm -hmm. we're going to sort of dwell in our own misery and be all oppressed, feel like we're oppressed, or we're going to just focus on how we can make ourselves and the world a better place.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so applicable to today's world, no question about Mm it. I I I want to read you a quote and have you interpret it if you can help me interpret it anyways it's aurelius okay and he was trying to help us keep the grand scheme of things in mind he said quote continual awareness of all time and space of the size and lifespans of the things around us a grape seed in infinite space a half twist of a corkscrew against eternity so what does he
2: really mean by all that so marcus aurelius was talking about putting things in perspective so if you think about all of time and space, and then think about the lifespan of a human being. So the universe is billions of years old, and we can even just look at the, the the world itself, which is also billions of years old. And the whole scheme of things in history are all these little things that we might be bothered by really that important. And he said a grape seed in infinite space. So this little problem, Think about it as a grape seed, an infinite space going on forever, and a half twist of a corkscrew against eternity. So the time it takes to twist a corkscrew, think about eternity. think about mm. all the time that's passed and all the time that's going to happen in the future. And so this really helps put things as a perspective and not make us ruffled about the vicissitudes of daily life. and Yeah, everything that happens.
1: Yeah. So that's a wonderful quote to end on. So that was really fun, Mary Jean. And I think it, you know, it's, it's easy to, to read these things. It's harder to practice though, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yes, for sure. It, it does take practice, but these are really inspiring. And I think that everyone should to look to philosophy more and especially Stoicism. I'm that's, that's my favorite philosophy I have to say, but there's, there's a lot you can learn from all the different ancient philosophers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the thing I like about that book that I'll put under the podcast is that he applies it for the modern world, talking about stoicism for the modern world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he says, none of these university departments have actually a department of philosophy of life to help you use philosophy in your real world. I mean, it's all very well to know the history of these things, but to actually apply it. So I guess that's our big challenge, isn't it?
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, well, that was fun. Okay, so thanks for being on the show again, Mary Jean.
2: Yeah, well, thank you.
1: Yeah, that was really interesting. Okay, so this is Tom Harris and my co-host Mary Jean Harris signing out from the other side of the story.
2: I'd like to remind our listening audience that we rely on donations to keep our show running. We hope that you'll consider donating at icc climatecom